I know that was encouraging for you guys, and I'm so excited to get back into our series. Last week was about replacing fear with faith, and if you're struggling with anxiety and worry about the times that we're walking through, you have to go back and watch last week's message, because I know it's going to be helpful to you. But we are on a, on a series that's based out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Let's go and put the theme verse for the series up here on the screen. This says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now look at this word right here, masterpiece. This might be something that would be difficult for you to say of yourself, but I want you to understand what God says about you, what he says about those who claim the name of Christ. He calls you a masterpiece. Now, when I think of masterpieces, I think of some of the famous works of art, like the Mona Lisa. Did you know that da Vinci, according to the Louvre Museum in Paris, worked on her for 12 years? He painted that picture. The, the Notre Dame Cathedral, it was built over a period of 184 years. Both of these things are artistic masterpieces, but can you imagine for a minute just what it would feel like to work on one thing for 12 years? Or imagine working on something that went beyond your lifespan, beyond your child's lifespan, into your grandchild's lifespan. That the, the project was so big that it took so long, it would be so easy to lose heart working on a project like that. But the most beautiful masterpieces, they take the longest time because there's the most intentionality to every brushstroke. And this series that we're, we're on, it, it's highlighting the fact that when God's hand is on something, when he's making a masterpiece, you can just tell that it's his work. And I want you to know that you might feel like, oh, I should have things together by now. Some, some masterpieces take longer than others. And you might have guilt about saying, I shouldn't have this struggle, but I want to encourage you today. God is still working. And whether you've been walking with him for a couple weeks, a couple years, or a couple decades, I believe that God's hand is still at work in your life. But we have to allow him to, to have those brushstrokes, to make those changes, and allow him to, to design what our life is going to look like. And in today's passage, today, the first week of this series, the brushstroke was transformation. When God is at work in someone's life, we see transformation as something that God brings into the picture. And this week, the brushstroke of God that we see in our life is freedom. Now, when I say the word freedom, you might think of many things. If you're as old as I am, you might be like, freedom, like William Wallace. And that might be what comes to your mind. Some of you guys, freedom might look a little bit differently. It might be like that last day before school gets out for the summer, and you get that feeling of freedom. Parents, that feeling of freedom, you might feel it when you think of dropping the kids off at the grandparents' house. Say, say, see you, we're gone for the weekend, we're gone for the week. We might come back sometime, but we're not sure yet. Like freedom, we're gone, we can do what we want. Or maybe freedom, you get the feeling of freedom when you think of paying off a credit card bill and it's done and your hands are washed of it. Or paying off a car and it's, the car is finally mine. Freedom, it's one of those things that we feel it when we have it. And God wants his children, God wants his church to live in freedom. And the passage that we're going to look at today that's really the foundation of what we're talking about comes from Galatians chapter 5. And we'll put this up on the screen. Verse 1. 
And this is God's intention of why he wants us to have freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is God's intention for you that you would live in freedom. That, that you wouldn't be tied down and attached to something that has control. But, but the thing that I want you to see, first of all, is that once we're given freedom, there's a reality that we have to stand firm in it. When we see God's hand begin to get involved in our life, I believe that transformation occurs. He takes us from a position of being spiritually dead and he makes us spiritually alive. He changes the desires in our heart and he sets us free from things that were controlling us. But the risk is that once we start walking with him for a while, we will stray from the freedom that he's given us and we'll move ourselves back over into positions where we're controlled by something that shouldn't have control over us. And in the book of Galatians, as he's writing up to this point, he deals with, with being controlled by sin and being controlled by religious senses of obligation of the way that it used to be. And he says, you have been set free from those things, and so you have to stand firm in your freedom. Don't get drawn into an I have to earn my standing with God mentality. That, that if I don't do these things, I'll no longer be in God's family. No, you, you are an adopted child of God. You are his forever. Don't lose sight and get yourself into this bondage situation where it's like, if I don't do these things, then God doesn't love me anymore. That's not how it works. But that doesn't mean that we're not called towards holy living. Because the other thing that we see is that as we get drawn back into sin and habits that are destructive and addiction, that that begins to take, our, take away our freedom because it takes away our ability to choose and live the life that we wanna live. It, it connects us to things that are destructive. For example, I'll have a reasonable debate with you about whether it's okay for you to smoke. Because this is how the story goes a lot of the time. Uh, an 18 year old says, you know what, I'm a man now and I'm free to do whatever I want and I can go buy a pack of cigarettes from the gas station and smoke them and so I'm gonna do it because I'm free to do what I want. And I'll debate with you about whether that, that, that's okay and we can talk about it and, and there's, there's some points on each side. But what happens next is, okay, you start because you're free to do it, but then you get to the point, well, if I don't do it, then I, I start to not feel peace and I start to feel jittery and, and I need it. And now, now you're stuck in a place where your money is controlled, your behaviors are controlled, your peace is controlled by this thing. And this is where the debate really ends because once something like that, that really isn't a thing, has control of you, You've lost your freedom. You've given it away. You've sold it away. And now it's not just your freedom to not be buying those things. It begins to attack your health. It begins to attack your smell. It begins to attack your life. Now look, God desires us to be free. And when there is something, whether it be an addiction or a behavior that has control of our actions, we've given up our freedom. And so what we have to do is we have to learn to stand firm. We have to stand firm in the freedom that God has given us. If he's brought us out of an addiction, if he's brought us out of a behavior, we don't return back to it because he set us free from it. And we need to recognize God desires us to be free, not to not be controlled by anything else. And this whole concept of freedom gets confusing because when we think of freedom, we think of, oh, I just get to do whatever I want to do. 
that's not really what biblical freedom looks like. And maybe it's not smoking for you. There's so many different ways that this becomes true that when we allow things that aren't supposed to be in our life, when we allow it to grab a grip, it take, takes away our freedom. Just like, and I'll get right up in your business right here. This is, this is dangerous territory. I'm sorry for the toes I'm about to step on. But if you can't let someone else hold your phone while, you're, while it's unlocked without getting seriously uncomfortable, <laughs> There's some things in there that you're wanting to keep hidden. There's some, there's some things in there that are controlling your behavior. And, and this is just the truth. When we are doing the things we're supposed to do, when we're saying the things that we know honor God, we don't get ourselves into a position where we feel like we have to keep part of ourselves hidden. We, we don't put ourselves into a position where we have to keep other people away. Where, where we want to keep them locked out of that area of our life. And, and well, you know what? Oh, they might judge me. You know what? You've already judged yourself if you're saying that you have to hide that from them. God has already revealed to your heart that that's not good because there's part of you that says, keep this hidden. And that is not the way that God wants you to live. God wants you to live in joy and freedom and openness without fear of being known by someone else that you love. If you have to keep part of your life hidden away from the people who surround you that you care about, that is not good, that is not healthy, and that is not what God wants for you. God has rescued you from, from slavery, sin, and addiction, and he doesn't want you to return to it. If God has you, brought you out of something and you've fallen back into it, I want this to be your encouragement and your wake-up call that I need to live in freedom because it is for freedom that Christ has set me free. We don't want to fall back into the things that God has pulled us out of. Proverbs 26, 11, it says it this way, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Now look, that is gross and that is a disgusting picture, which is why it's so powerful. A fool goes back to the same mistake they were making before, the way a dog, as we've all, if you've had a pet dog, have tried to pull it away, no, don't do that, that's disgusting the first time. Don't have it a second time. Don't return to something that is destructive to you. God's pulled you away from it. Stand firm in the freedom that he has given you. This is the description of, of where the freedom is found that, that God has given us. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When we invite God into our life, when we invite Christ into our life, what comes with him, what is a natural brush stroke of this master painter is freedom. Wherever his spirit is, there should be freedom from the addictions and the destructive habits that are so prevalent in our culture. If you're new to walking with Christ, you might sense God beginning to speak into your life in areas that you didn't even think were problems. But as you read scripture and as you sense the Holy Spirit moving in your life, you recognize that, man, just even the way that I speak, it needs to change because God is stirring my heart about it. And this breaks into, okay, if we're free, then how come I feel like God is saying not to do this? Well, there's a reality about freedom, that freedom, we, we fall into these three different camps. The first camp is free, we think freedom just means I can do whatever I want. Like freedom, God has said I'm free, so I just can do whatever I want. But that's a problematic view because as you read, Jesus gave us instruction after instruction about how to live, about things that would be destructive if we continue to do them. And so this isn't really the right idea, this concept of, you know what, if I'm free in Christ, then, then there's just no rules. There's no boundaries. I'm gonna do whatever feels good to me. And what you're gonna find is that there actually is accountability. There actually is boundaries. That if you decide, you know what, I'm just free to do whatever 
whatever I want, so I'm gonna go lick the door handles at the hospital ER right now. You'll find yourself in a bedroom at that ER right now because there will be accountability to what you do. That happens in the natural world. It happens in the spiritual as well. That if we live outside of God's design and instructions in scripture, we're gonna find that we are no longer free and that we are actually seeing the dreams and the goals that are close to our heart get further away because this I recognize. In our pursuit of the way that we live, we're all moving towards a goal and a dream. We're all moving towards this desire to be happy and fulfilled, to be surrounded with some sort of a family that we feel a part of. I understand we're all moving towards that, but some of us try to pursue that and we're just gonna say, there's no boundaries to how I can get it. I just need to get my dreams. But this is what I, I wanna tell you. That's not actually gonna help you get closer to those God-given dreams, to the things that will really fulfill you. And, and the next, so, so the first place is, there's just no boundaries. The second place that I see a lot of people live in their life is, you know, well, when God's boundaries agree with my boundaries, then they're good. But if I think I have a better idea than God, then I'm gonna go with that. Like I recognize there's some boundaries, but some of God's boundaries I'll ignore and some of them I'll go with. I've seen this play out in so many premarital counseling situations where they say, you know what? I know God says we should be doing this, but we're gonna do it our way because we think we have a better way. And then my premarital counseling turns into marital counseling. <laughs> the, the problems don't stop if they started beforehand. I'm gonna illustrate it this way. I had the joy and the pain of coaching under eight youth soccer. Now look, if you've ever coached youth sports before, you know it is terrible and it's wonderful. I love soccer, I grew up playing soccer. I understand how soccer works pretty well and coaching kids is like herding cats. They're just everywhere. Stop pinching him, don't lick that. Take that out of your mouth. You should have gone potty before the game. Get up, stop playing with the flowers. Like it's all these things, but they do have that one desire of, I wanna score all the goals. Now I wanna put the ball in the net. And, and so what happens is we, we see that they're playing soccer and when the ball is over here, what do all of the kids do? They all run straight to the soccer ball. But as a coach, what I try to explain to them, if you want to score a goal, all of you guys can't be on top of the soccer ball. And in fact, if you're on one side of the field and you just run straight to the soccer ball, by the time you get there, it's not gonna be there anymore. And so you guys are all chasing it around when what you really need to do is if the soccer ball's on the other side of the field and you don't have it right now, you need to go get right over here by the other side of the goal because what's gonna happen is your teammate is gonna kick the ball and they're gonna try to score a goal, but they're gonna miss and the ball is gonna come right across the goal. And if you would just stay in the place where I'm trying to teach you to stay, your goal, your dream of scoring a goal, it's gonna come true, but you have to be in the right spot. But, but they wanna score a goal, they wanna score a goal right now, and so what they do is they all bunch up over in the corner. But then you finally get one kid, and it only takes one kid to make coaching feel like, okay, this was worth it. You get one kid who understands, I'll stay on the other side, I'll stay in my lane, I'll stay in that center place where you asked me to be, and when they stay there and the ball comes flying out of the mob and rolls over to them, and all they have to do is tap it in. And all the kids who were dreaming and desiring and fighting so hard to make that happen for themselves, they're all off to the side, running around in circles. And all it took was to be where your leader told you to be, to be where your coach told you to be, to be where your heavenly father told you to be. He understands the dreams that are in your heart. 
And he has set up boundaries. He has set up a position for you to be in to guide you to those dreams. And so when he places restrictions on saying, your relationship, it should not include this. Your words, it should not include this. Your finances, they should look like this. When he sets up those restrictions, it's not because he's keeping something for you. It's that he's trying to put you somewhere to get the things that he knows is in your heart. This gets down to a faith issue of God, do I trust you and your word? Or do I trust my own perspective above it? Because the second area, this view of freedom, you know what? I'm free to do whatever I want. And so when God's word aligns with my word, I'm gonna say I'm following God. But when God's word disagrees with what I'm thinking, I'm gonna go with my way. This is a destructive place to be. The place that we wanna be is where we recognize God's word has authority over my actions, my behaviors, even my freedoms. That, that in Christ, I'm free to do what I want, but I understand that there, there's a filter, there, there, there are boundaries that I should follow. It's like this, you know, it might seem unjust and unfair that a fish is only allowed to swim in the water. And I might want to give that fish more freedom. And when I take that fish out of the water so that it can see the beautiful mountains and it can see the air and the trees, I'm not helping that fish have more freedom. I'm helping that fish be more dead. All right? A fish is most free in its environment that it's supposed to be in. And a Christian is going to be most successful, most fulfilled, at the most peace, and have the most joy when we're living in the way that scripture has taught us to live. And this is your heavenly father's desire for you when it comes to freedom. That that you would say, I am free to live within these boundaries that God has given me because I know that outside of those boundaries for me, it's not actually getting more, it's getting less. It's actually destructive when I leave God's boundaries. It actually leads me, when I leave God's boundaries, it leads me back into that area where I'm controlled by something that I shouldn't be controlled by. The Apostle Paul addressed this issue this way. In 1 Corinthians chapter six, we'll go ahead and bring this verse up on the screen. It says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Now, this is, this is that thought that I have a whole lot of freedom. God, he will not disown me, like I am his. But there are so many things that if I do them, they're not beneficial. They're not edifying, they're not uplifting, they're not encouraging. And so we need to take and we need to have the willingness to look over our life and put our behaviors and our actions and our habits through a filter of God's word. And say, God, what is it that that I need to change, that I need to remove from my life? So I'm gonna give you four questions to ask yourself about your actions, your behaviors, your words, the way that you're living your life to help filter things down to where you're living in the freedom that God has designed for you. The, the first one is, is this pleasing to God? John chapter eight, verses 31, 32 says, that to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. These, these elements of holding to my teachings leads you to further freedom. This is a reality for the way that we live our life. God will continue to bless as we live within the boundaries that he set up because he knows who you are. He knows what you really desire. He knows every hair that's on your head. He's known every day of your life, every word before it's left your lips. He knows you. 
And so when he calls you to live within these parameters, it's because he knows what is best for you. And so we want to look at our actions and ask, am I holding to Jesus' teachings? Are these things pleasing to God? The, the second filter is upholding my convictions. Now this is a very personal one. Romans 14, 23 says it this way, but if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, and this was regarding to meat that was sacrificed to idols and people were having issues with, with their, their own convictions about whether they should do it or not. It says, if you have any doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe, is not right, you are sinning. There's this truth that there are gonna be things that other people can do with a clear conscience that you can't, and for you to do it would be sin. And so when God puts something on your heart, you have to follow it for you. And there will be things that are on other people's hearts that God is not speaking to you about at all or about yet. And so internally, each one of us has to follow the thing that God is pressing onto our heart about. Are we, are we upholding our own convictions? Number three, are you representing God's love? Galatians 5, 13 through 14 says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. The, the apostle Paul had this mindset that even though I don't owe them a behavior or an action because they're so important to me, because I understand God's love for them. They're so important to me. I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to encourage them, to lift them up, to help them in their spiritual life. Not because I have to or owe them anything, but because I consider them that important. This is when the love of God and the mission of God and the purpose of Jesus' life becomes such a part of your identity that you understand, I have to represent God's love to everyone that I see. And so my actions, my life, it's gonna be a representation of the gospel to all of the people that I interact with. So first, pleasing to God. Second, upholding my convictions. Three, representing God's love. And four, encouraging to others. First Corinthians 8, 9 says that you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. We, we wanna know that the way that we live our life is it encouraging people to grow in their faith. We wanna look at our life through this filter. We wanna look at our life through the teachings of Jesus and change our behavior because we want to present a life that is pure to God. And I wanna illustrate it this way. When we first get started or maybe after a time where we feel like we, we've messed up and we've strayed away, that we might feel like there's some junk inside of our life that doesn't belong there. This is not something that you'd want me to take a drink of, I hope. It's not something I would want you to drink. This does not look beneficial to anyone. And what happens when we have that moment where we say, okay, God, I'm no longer holding on to my life, but I'm giving it to you. What we're asking him to do is to take what was non-beneficial, that wasn't pure, that couldn't help anyone else, and we're asking him to change it. But the way that that change happens is by removing things that shouldn't be there. And I also wanna say it doesn't happen immediately, it doesn't happen overnight, but small bit by small bit, he remo removes the impurities. He removes the addictions. He rem removes the habits and behaviors that were destructive. 
And I remember when I was the age of 17 and I first brought my heart before God and just said, I am a mess. I have things in my life that don't belong here. I don't even know what to do, but God, just, just take it. And I never would have dreamt of where he brought my life. But I'm gonna tell you, this is not an experience that's unique to me or to pastors. This is something that God wants to do in your life. And he doesn't care how messed up things look to you right now because he is able through his spirit to heal whatever is in your past. And his scriptures do the work of filtering out these behaviors. His spirit does the work of saying, you see what he's written to you in scripture, apply it to your life and look at the way that it will create change. His scripture will work as a filter in our life, but you've got to be willing to apply it. Not because we need a rule, but because we need freedom. And God's desire is for you to live in this freedom. But this is the way that it begins. With a recognition, God, I need your help. God, all I can do is just pour my heart out to you and ask that you would make it clean. Because of what Jesus has done, he will. Because of Jesus' life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection, we have the opportunity to come before him and say, I recognize that Jesus is Lord. I, I know that he was risen from the dead to pay for my sins, and I believe. And as you come to that conclusion, as you make that statement, God says, I will meet you right there no matter what your mess is. God says, I can work with that. And I believe that where he leads you to, and, and the, the sign that he is obviously engaged in working in your life, is that he brings you to freedom. I've loved seeing the stories of this happen in our church. There's so many of them, of people that God has taken out of addictions to drugs that, that destroyed their families. And as they came to Christ, God gave it all back. I've seen marriages that were falling apart. And then God said, live within my boundaries. And as they applied those boundaries to their marriage, God drew them closer and closer together. And I've seen the stories happen, but this is what I want. I want to know that that story is happening for you. And so even today, even right in your living room or wherever you are watching right now, the question I have for you is, do you feel like you're living in freedom? Do you feel like there is something that has control of your life and your behaviors right now? Is there an addiction that you desperately want to get out of, but you haven't been able to? And this is the step that you need to take. I believe that it first is just a step of prayer of saying, God, I need your help. And I want to pray for you in just a moment if that's where you're at. But I want you to know the full course of, of what I think is going to help you. It starts with prayer, and then it goes to a step of bringing the church into your life, of allowing other people to be engaged. Because if there's something that's in your life that's been destructive and you want to get it out, let us come alongside you. Because the only reason we're here today and part of the church is because we've experienced God's healing in our own life. And so as this message wraps up, there's a link down there for you to get connected to other people. And that is God's design for you in healing, is that you would let the church help you through whatever you're facing. And if you click that link and fill it out, we'll follow up with you and we'll walk with you through whatever has been in front of you. And I know that there's very real challenges today. I know that there's very real fears, but I know that above our fears and more powerful than any challenge that we have is the presence of God at work in our life. 
And so I wanna pray for you. Lord, for each person who's hearing this today and they felt like they don't have freedom and they don't feel like they are part of this family of God, I want you to encourage their heart right now. God, would you help them just by your spirit know that you hear what they're saying to you. And Lord, because we, we trust in Jesus and because we trust in his sacrifice and his resurrection to give us new life. Father, would you help us see that there's a family around us? Would you help the church be at work in these homes and in these cities and across Cape Coral and across our nation? Would you just have the church rise up to hold each other through this time? And would you give us the ability to walk in freedom? Because we know we are not walking alone, but we are part of a family. In Jesus' name. I want you to see this verse before we go today. From John chapter 8, verse 34, and we're going to put it up on the screen. Jesus replied to them and he said, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the invitation of the gospel. Not for a one-time decision, but that you are invited to join a family. That you are forever part of a family. And so today as you listen and, and as we sing this next song, this is where I want your heart and your thoughts to be. Have I joined this family? Have I been living in this family? Or have I been trapped in sin and addiction and destructive behaviors? Because today, you have the choice, you have the opportunity, you have the invitation to be part of a family.